0: Welcome to The Wisdom of Madness with Rasuli and Jesh DeRox. Two friends from different
1: worlds discuss the beauty and mystery of creativity. All right, so here we are diving into the Book of Creativity, Mastering Your Creative Power, which my beautiful friend, Rasuli, has written. Before the beginning of great brilliance, there must be chaos. Before a brilliant person begins something great, they must look foolish to the crowd. That's a quote from the I Ching. Chaos is a divine mystery that exists beyond any kind of inner rhythm, order, or rule in the creative process. In most English dictionaries, chaos is defined as the confused, unorganized state of primordial matter before the creation of distinct forms, the state of things in which chance is supreme. So many creative ideas come to us in the strangest ways, often when they are least expected. Sometimes they seem to surface almost by accident. The accidental discovery is triggered by chaos and contradictions rather than by order and logic. Chaos is an essential part of the creative process. To be creative requires the embrace of confusion. New things don't happen when everything is perfect. Creativity is all about being out of order. The world is in constant chaos and so is life itself. As Nietzsche said, you must have chaos within you to give birth to a dancing star. I think what's kind of coming up for me in listening to that is we as humans tend to have a very troubled relationship with confusion. There's a big part of us that feels deeply uncomfortable at being confused and so wants to push, push, push as fast as possible just to get some kind of an order so we don't have to deal with the discomfort of of that confusion. And I think in doing so Uh, we often end up defaulting to patterns or orders that are already known, that come from the past. And because of that, uh, continue to keep limiting ourselves to be stuck in what has already been. Because, of course, it's much simpler to adopt an order or a system that has already been established. Creating a new order and a new system is an incredible endeavor that requires a lot of energy. And because of that, discomfort that we feel being in that space of confusion. I don't know. I don't know. It, it affects the animal mind in a way that can many times make us frantic. And because of that franticness, we just want to default to, we've got to shut this down as soon as possible. Let's go towards, you know, some kind of order, some kind of form.
0: That really tells us that creativity is about destruction. It's not about making. And this is where most people are confused about Because to create means to prepare yourself to be filled with the power of creativity, which is the divine power that, you know, all the holy books talk about, that we were created in the image of creator. We were all created with the power of creativity. We are the power of creativity yet we're in the limitation, which the limitation in our creative world would be you know, playing an instrument or painting on a canvas. Those are the limitations. But the power itself does not understand limitation. The power moves forward. A painting does not end up on a wall or in a museum. A painting as an energy, as a power, continues to move. It inspires somebody else to create something else. So to create means to destroy the obstacles which is blocking the way for creation.
1: Yes, and what I'm hearing you say, which I think is a really important point because it's so far from how creativity is often thought of, is that sometimes the thing that is really blocking us is our own idea of what needs to be created. I think that's a really really important piece because even in the first way you started to describe what it is to be a creative you you said it's not to create a specific thing that's not what being creative is to be creative is to be filled with creative power and i think a lot of times because of the way that our mind works a certain part of our mind our rational mind we will be so focused on the end result thing that we're trying to create that we will miss out on the very vital step of But are you filled with creative power first? Because if you're not feeling that creative power royal through you, then you won't be able to honor it by responding to it.
0: I had an experience um, several years back. One of my uh, collectors who lived in, in Colorado said that I have a week to go to the Rockies and I would love to spend it with you if you take my you know, invitation and come to uh, Denver and we go from there to the Rockies to just have fun for a whole week. And I thought it's good because I haven't been to the Rockies and I like to you know, experience that. So I said, the only condition is that I don't want to come to your home and you know, all of those. You come to the airport, pick me up, and we go straight to the Rockies. <laughs> He said, okay. So I flew to, to Denver at the airport. He comes, picks me up, and he's got this RV that he's rented. And I'm sitting in this RV, and, and he's driving, and we're on the freeway going towards Vale. As we're driving, Sam tells me how excited he is that I'm with him now. A whole week of being with you in the Rockies has been my dream, and staying up all night thinking about it and I found all these great maps and, and I have marked all of these. Where are we going? And I said, wow, that's a lot of work you've done. And I said, yeah. He said, open the dashboard. I want to show you something. So I opened the dashboard. There's a folder about two and a half, three inches thick. with Maps and everything inside this folder. I pull it out. And I just rolled down the window and just throw it out. (laughs) (laughs) And we were in the fast lane. And he, you know, he couldn't do anything back. (sighs) He was so mad. He started screaming, what a mistake I made. (laughs) To come with you and all of that and... (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it's too late now. The cars went over the maps. <laughs> Everything is completely destroyed. <laughs> so we're driving. He doesn't talk to me anymore. He's very upset. <laughs> so we get into Vail. <laughs> he says, what are we going to do now? You got rid of all the maps. I knew all the places we should go and all of that. <laughs> I said, well, we'll find a way there. Maine is a small place. It's not a big deal. We'll find our way. He said, okay. Now we're talking again because he has no other choice. (laughs) All right. Why don't we just leave the RV somewhere and let's just take the bus because there's this bus which is going around. And we get on this bus and then that takes us to different places. And we see whatever we like. We get out of the bus and we go there. So we parked the RV in this parking lot. He's trying to figure out where we are to get the address. I said, no, 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 no. If you want to get the address and where we are, the street, I'm not going to be with you. Forget about where we are. This is a small place. We're not going to get lost. Don't worry about it. He finally agrees with me, no name of streets or anything. So we start, we get on this bus and we get out somewhere that felt good. We go have lunch and have two bottles of wine and walk around and spend the night in there. And then it's about like eight o'clock at night. We figured out, OK, time to go back. <laughs> Where is the <laughs> Where are we parking? And Sam is upset with me. I told you. I said, well, let me think for a minute. We've parked the RV in this parking lot, and we took the bus. So it's got to be somewhere that the bus goes. So let's go there. Sam says, okay, so we get on the bus. And bus is driving around, gets to the end of the station, cannot find the RV. Next round, the bus kept on going, For several rounds, we couldn't figure out where the RV is. So we finally got out of the. Now it's about midnight. (laughs) We got got out of the bus and we walk around trying to find this RV, cannot find it everywhere. By 2.30 in the morning, there's this big parking lot. And in the middle of the parking lot, there's the RV. No other cars, nothing. So we went and got into the RV. And we drove away from Vale. Years has passed, and every time I talk to Sam, I say, Can you draw the map of Vale? And he says, Yes, I can draw the map of Vale exactly Mm. the way Vale is. Wow. He said, That is how Mm. we experience a place. I told him at points you were really lost because you were upset. But I was bewildered. I was enjoying walking through veil. Vale, and I learned everything about veil vale as I walked through that. And the other beautiful things about it is that as you go through bewildering, days become much longer mm-hmm. that you're trying to find something. See, when I'm goal-oriented, my days go very quickly. So as we focus on our surrounding, as we begin to enjoy things around us, life expands. So instead of going vertical, we go horizontal. Every day becomes expansive. So this whole idea of chaos was what we needed in veil, in order to feel veil.
1: I think when you're telling that story, you know, about veil and how Sam, looking back now from this perspective, he can draw you a map of the entire city. I think there's a certain kind of a, a sadness in that for me because I think that kind of pretty accurately would depict a lot of people's lives. If if you really asked them, could they really go back and draw you an accurate map of, of who they really were as a person? Or it's much more likely that that they couldn't. They could tell you the few stops that they made, which was the thing they were supposed to do. They graduated from this, they got the job, they married the person, they had the kids, and then you just get through the whole life and then you look back and, yeah, but can you tell me who you are? You know, and I think a lot of people miss out on really having that deeply personal experience of really getting to discover who they might have been if no one else had told them who they were supposed to be. And if they hadn't spent so much time and energy devoted to checking off all of those boxes reminds me of you know one of my favorite quotes of all time, which is the uh, Henry David Thoreau, who left everything and entered into chaos. He was a wild man. He could tell that there was something deceptively, subtly oppressive about the system that was being created in the country. These big, big cities that everybody was moving to, away from the slow pace of nature, and more and more and to become a part of this big machine and everybody was getting so excited on a mental level about it you know and saying i'm gonna get rich i'm gonna make all this money i'm gonna do all these things and he was inside of that and he just something instinctively deep inside him was like no no there's something wrong here we're 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 going astray in some kind of way and so he left all of that and went right into the woods into the forest all by himself you know and one of the most beautiful things i think that he came out with when he was out there As he said, most men live lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave, the song still in them. The first time I heard that, it just ripped me apart because I just so deeply felt the truth of that. And (laughs) it's like, that will not be said of you, that you went to the grave with the song still in you because you're flowing out with that song in almost every moment of your life. And in the process of that, building a fascinatingly deep and powerful and intimate awareness of your own relationship with your life and who you are as a person and the many, many places that you've traveled here on this earth. And it's a, it's a tangible thing for me to feel that. And it's a great honor to spend moments with somebody you know who has lived life so richly and fully. And you say, tell me about Vale. And they don't give you a short three-minute description of the supposed highlights They can tell you about the beautiful row of flowers that's in the corner. They can tell you about this one space to stand just beneath the oak tree that if you close your eyes and listen, it can transport you to another world. They can tell you about the hidden creek you know, that's on the other side of the valley. There's just so much more magic in us in the world than people ever really end up finding out a lot of the time. Those maps, we think that they're serving us, but a lot of the times... They're stealing from us. They're they're yeah. they're criminals in some ways. There has to be some kind of a rebellious rise in the spirit of the true creative, you know, like Thoreau who was just like this is not right. There's something wrong about this. Yeah. You and I had a really beautiful conversation a little while ago about this call and response that you feel while you're painting, this give and take, you know, this relationship that builds between you and what you're creating. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying as well is that when you're filled with that creative energy that's pouring through you, then you can have this very intimate relationship with it where you can feel where it wants to take you, where it wants to go, where it is wanting to flow into rather than a predefined outcome. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, and let's even simplify it in a language that everybody can really connect with. Let's say the creative power is oxygen, which we need for life. If I take in oxygen over carbon dioxide, I suffocate. The only way that I can take oxygen in is by exhaling carbon dioxide from my lungs. So I have to destroy, I have to get rid of, in order for the power to come in. So the chaos that we're talking about is absolutely necessary for creativity. When I'm painting, as long as I know where I'm going, I'm just going and following a sort of inner intuition that carries me through. But the break comes is when I get to a chaotic state. So when you're in chaos, two things happens. You either get nervous that you're completely screwed or you feel, wow, fantastic. Now I have the opportunity to build from the bottom up. So, chaos chaotic state is the absolute thing that we need right now in the history of mankind we're in the best condition that is possible because we're in complete chaotic state our economy our religion our social life our mobility our political system everything you look at is chaotic which means great time to create, because there's nothing to be stuck with. We kept on repeating the same damn thing over and over and over, and everybody got bored with it in everything. So now we're in that chaotic state. Nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing works.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that you say we got bored with it. We got bored with the pattern, which suggests that we're not bored with the chaos, that it's difficult to be in a state of boredom when you're interacting with chaos or confusion. That seems to suggest that the state that we're really looking for, to want to be in, is one where we feel the opposite of of boredom, You know, which is, I would say, joy, to feel deeply alive, to feel engaged. It certainly is the case that when we run into those challenging kind of circumstances and situations, it does demand our attention in a way that is definitely not boring.
0: Yeah, because what causes boredom is repetition.
1: Well, how would you delineate between repetition and rhythm, because we know rhythm is incredibly (laughs) important in how the body grows, how really anything that's important is made. There has to be rhythm there.
0: Last night I was watching the movie Roma, and I was fascinated by the rhythm in the movie. Mm. Many, many artists don't pay attention to rhythm. They think rhythm is only for music and dance, but they don't realize how important Rhythm is in visual imagery. Oh, my God, the rhythm in that movie is amazing. See, rhythm does not necessarily repeat. Rhythm develops it, takes it to a different level. Let's say I'm dancing tango. or If I keep on doing the same thing, I go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. After a little while, my partner is going to get bored to hell. And so would I. But if that thing keeps on developing, then it becomes exciting. The rhythm has got to develop excitement.
1: I think it's interesting how closely related the two are though, because repetition is doing something again and again. Rhythm is doing something again and again. But it seems to me that rhythm is doing something again and again with slight variations every single time so that you're adding in this element of exploration. And in the element of exploration, that's where the discoveries exist, you know. So if you imagine a person standing in place, marching again and again and again and again, there would only be so many seconds before you would be utterly bored with that whole situation. Yeah. Then, if you imagine a person doing the exact same movement with only a slight leaning forward, so that every time they step and then they step again and then they step again, you could go on a very very long journey doing nearly the exact same thing. You do see that in the state of the world. You see. An extreme feeling of stuckness, an extreme feeling of frustration and a feeling of I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And a lot of that, I think, does keep people very disconnected from not only the fruits of discovery and the benefits of discovery and the way that it changes you, but the joy. Because when I'm in discovery mode, you know, when I'm in exploration mode... That's when I feel the strongest amount of joy in my life. And a lot of people live out these jobs that are very repetitious. They live out lives that are very repetitious. They do the same thing every single weekend or night or whatever. And it has a lot of repetition in it. And in many cases, they're not leaving room for that slight variation that can transform simple repetition into the powerful, irreplaceable magic of, of journey, you know? Mm-hmm. And the journey, obviously, is what, what changes us, what grows us, what, what keeps us excited. But I think it's important to say, too, if, if it was as simple as saying, oh, I've been doing repetition this whole time. Why didn't I just do rhythm? Okay, I'm going to do that now. If it was that simple, everybody would already be doing it. So there clearly is something in us, something that's a part of us that, that makes us afraid of that constant variation. hmm so what would you say about that specific piece? Why, why do so many people default towards the repetition when rhythm is really just as simple as throwing in a slight variation?
0: Repetition deals with our comfort zone. So we feel comfortable to repeat because we've done it and it worked, so I feel good to do it again. Rhythm, on the other hand, is an invitation to experience new things. And most of us are hesitant of trying to experience new things. Why? All right, let's begin with the first discussion that we had just (laughs) earlier, because then we lead into that one. Doing something could be both positive and negative. Doing something could be both repetition or developing a rhythm. Let's say that We're making love versus we're fucking. Making love is a process of rhythm developing. Fucking is a process of repeating something to reach for something intentional, which is in your mind. Their action is the same, but we're talking about two completely different processes. So one process is... Goal-oriented, one process is not having any orientation toward the end result. When you have no orientation toward the end result, the process begins to enhance constantly because it's dealing with new territories, new ideas. But once you're connected with the end result, you're repeating in order to get there. One of the problems that I have with Western way of thinking is this whole idea of trying something. Because trying means you are not really putting your whole self into it. You're just trying. See, what I learned in the Sufi wisdom development was to not to repeat what you were doing yesterday. See, one day I was to clean the floors. Next day I was to wash the windows. Next day I would do something else. So when I was cleaning the floors, I, that was the only time that I had to clean the floors. It wasn't trying to clean the floor. I was cleaning the floor. This I took it into my life. And when I'm painting, when I'm standing in front of my canvas, this is the greatest work I have ever created. It's the best of me on this canvas. It's the very last work that represents me. That's what I paint. But if I was to paint, if I just take a brush and take a paint and put it in there with the idea that let me try to see what comes out of it, I'm gonna fail. But when that brush lands on the canvas, that is it. So every time that the brush lands on the canvas, It's a new thing, it's a rhythm that continues. I want to eat Van Gogh's paintings, just I want to eat every little piece of it because there's such a powerful rhythm. Every time that the brush lands on the canvas, is a different than the other one? And you just follow these rhythms and at some point as you're following the rhythm, you're lost.
1: Well, that's a really fascinating point that you bring up that at the height of almost any form of art, it gets very difficult to describe what our experience is as the person who's feeling or moved by that art. But one of the words that we do use is lost. I got lost. You know, and that's interesting that at the very peak of something being made by an artist, what's the best thing it can possibly do for us? Get us lost. Because it's it's drawing us into that mystery. It's making it easy for us, I think, to pull us out of the known and into an unknown, but it brought us through a flow. You know, and I think a lot of people, they want to go to the new place, they want to experience the new thing, but they want to feel really good while they're doing that. They want to know that it's going to be safe. And so I think even in, in movies like Roma, like you were talking about, or in these Van Gogh paintings, there's this kind of rhythm that we can follow of the artists kind of follow in their footsteps as they take us deeper and deeper into their exploration. Wow. It goes back to what you said earlier, which is what power is filling you up right now? that's the way to tell if you're actually in the creative state, because a lot of us are filled up with the power, quote unquote, of frustration or the power of boredom. That's what we're filled up with. It's a a dubious power, you know? And so we're filled up with that. And then we go to make something. And of course, the thing that we make is going to be filled up with the exact same thing that we are while we're making it. And instead to throw away that end result You know, and just go back to, all right, what is drawing me right now? What is pulling on me right now? What is exciting to me right now?
0: like the other things that we talked about, the mechanical versus the flow. Same thing happens with chaos. Let's say you're in a new territory. Somebody has picked you up and put you into this new place that is completely unfamiliar to you and has given you a map to follow. Now, if I get nervous and worry about where I am because I want to be somewhere else, but I'm here. I'm going to pick the map and start looking at the map to find how to get out of it. This puts me in the category of being lost because I'm lost. But if I'm standing in there, somebody gives me the map and I tear it up and throw it away. And I begin to look around me and enjoy what is around me and I start walking in what is inviting me towards the things that cause me to move towards them. As I keep on moving towards them, I begin to develop a rhythm. The rhythm is what guides me into finding the clues because unless I have rhythm, I cannot find clues.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: finding the clues begins to take me into a whole different, exciting atmosphere.
1: It's interesting to me, too, as we're talking about this, I'm kind of imagining there's a mother who has a job interview. And she wants to get there on time, and she wants this interview to go really well. And she's got her baby with her the mother can't find the address, it's not in the right space, she starts to get really frustrated and nervous about all of this, and she took a a wrong turn, she doesn't know where she is, and she starts getting really, really upset. And she feels, oh my God, I'm lost, you know, in this way that you're talking about lost. And the baby is in the exact same physical location as she is, but the baby's not lost. The baby doesn't feel the pressure or the stress of the loss. So very clearly that feeling of pressure and stress of being lost is just a context. It's just a context where you have a predefined version of what needs to happen. And the moment that you're free of that, as you say, ripping up the map, all of a sudden now you're just free to enjoy exactly where you are. And you could see that the masses of humankind, we have been given this map passed down by somebody. We don't even really know who. It just keeps passing down. Here's the map, pass it on. Here's the map, pass it on. Very few people really questioning well, why do I have to be here at this specific time? And what is that really going to get me? You know, And you get so many people in so many cultures practicing, 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 and then mastering doing things that they don't really want to do, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a terrible thing to practice and master. Yeah. You see a direct relationship between babies growing up to the point where now they understand what they're supposed to be doing right now and a sharp decrease in joy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, because before they know where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing, they have so much joy. As long as their basic needs are met, they are swimming in joy. And then all of a sudden, they have to be here at a certain time. They're supposed to be at that appointment and the joy is just gone because very clearly, joy is not in that direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Surely there is benefit to being at the appointment. Sometimes I think without meaning to, People can just end up spending huge chunks of their life and ironically, even their so-called creative practices, trying to make a specific thing, trying to be somewhere on a specific map. And what I really hear you saying, that I think is so important for creatives, is to just really, really look hard and question at that map, that place you're trying to get to, who gave you that? And was that, did they really have the authority to give you that? Is it bringing you joy? Is it filling your body with life? Do you feel the creative power surging in you? Because what can be a higher authority than that? In those moments when we're not feeling that, what does it feel like to rip up the map and say, I have no idea where I am? Even that beautiful beautiful description you just gave of how much you love Van Gogh's paintings, that you'd almost want to eat them, that really makes me see Van Gogh's paintings in a different light. And the fact that you can just see that he just was enjoying every single brushstroke, stroke and how you could tell because they were each different. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating. Yeah.
0: People ask me, how do you get to use your emotion when you're creating? Well, the first thing is to get rid of your thinking, get rid of your rationality. Because if you're rationally trying to create, you can't do it. You could make something rationally, but you cannot create rationally. It's going to be your emotion that creates. Making is a different thing. It's a, it's a mechanical thing, as you were saying. It makes a big difference. So in order for you to use your emotions, the first thing to do is to get rid of your rational thinking. Now, rational thinking is needed when you cross crossing the street. But when you want to create life for yourself, when you want to, recreate yourself every day in the morning. is not about thinking. It's about getting into the emotions, feeling it. Mm-hmm. I wake up with a song. I wake up with a poem from Hafez or Rumi or somebody. I wake up with the image. And those are the beauties that develops these rhythms in life that you constantly feel life. You constantly feel, wow, this is exciting.
1: So if there's one thing, like the most important thing that you would want to tell somebody who right now is listening to this and feeling like maybe they do have a little more repetition than rhythm and maybe they are a little bit more on that tour bus map program than really just exploring themselves in their life, what's the most important thing that such a person should should be considering or exploring to break out of that.
0: When you're living and suddenly you're in this chaotic state Mm. in your life, say, thank God, there's a great opportunity for me to begin something. When you get laid off, say, thank you. Because it's not necessarily that you were not good. Could be easily that the job was not good. And we all have experienced that in our life. So when you get into darkness in your life, don't see it as pain, see it as opportunity.
1: That's beautiful. So to start exploring the power of chaos, all we really need is to start learning how to say thank you. (laughs) The Wisdom of Madness is produced by Rasuli, Jesh
0: DeRox, and Elizabeth Joy Wyndham. Our theme music is by Nicholas Poshberg. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this podcast, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and community.